KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We are surrounded by economic uncertainty everywhere in the midst of this pandemic. It's difficult to deal with, but what do you do if your job is to give people financial advice looking into the future? We wanted to find out, so we spoke with Fred Hubler Jr. He is president of Creative Capital Wealth Management Group. Got some insight into what he is seeing and the questions he's being asked. Give a listen. These are crazy times across the board. Has life changed a lot for you? now as opposed to say if we were talking back on february 1st i i've never been busier um i think when you uh when you're a planning firm and no one and the market's going up no one really needs planning when things like this happen planning becomes at the forefront again and the importance of planning was hopefully before this people would have a plan um, but after this you still have to plan and figure out where you are and where you're going so we've never been busier we have a staff of certified financial planners. We do everything virtually. Uh, ironically, the bridge in front of our office was closed a couple of years ago. So we had to invest in virtual software and we've stayed with it. And even local clients would rather talk virtually like we're doing. So being being virtual has helped. We haven't had anyone in the office since the shutdown, but we still have been able to meet every client, like we said. So uh, most of the calls are smart calls. They're what, what can I do about the situation? A lot of our clients have multiple businesses or at least a business. And the at the end of the day, what we tell them and, and all of our clients, not only the business owners, now's the time to look at your emergency fund. The virus has been a rude awakening on the importance of just having extra cash, whether you need it or not. Um, and savings rates are through the roof now. So I think because we're staying home and hopefully still getting some sort of income, we're not spending as much. So we're, you know, if you look at the numbers, savings rates are double digits and well beyond what people thought they would be which is good and bad. The good part is people have cash. The bad part is the economy runs on cash and runs on you buying something and someone else making the thing you bought. So we got to get that going. And most of the clients, we had already, you know, market's been up 14, 15 years. We already assumed that the market was going to turn. We didn't know this. We didn't predict this. We didn't want this. But 15 years, 14 years of an up market, you start to take your chips off the table if you're smart. So uh, that's what we've been doing for our clients. I'm sure a lot of People have been doing that anyway because you know nothing lasts forever, even even the bad. What are you kind of started with this with clients reaching out to you? What are the the questions you're getting the most right now? I mean, from business and from just Joe Average, it's got a 401k and is maybe five to ten years away from retirement. So, from the business standpoint, um, it's a tale of two cities. We have restaurant clients that are um, very scared that they're never going to be able to open, never going to be profitable, you know, being open at 25% capacity because you have to have social distancing, that's not profitable. And being outside is not an all-season thing. So there's a lot of uh, clients with the restaurants that are pivoting. Same idea, different clients, different restaurant, fast food restaurants, um, they're doing it gangbuster. I mean, their their takeout is, is, you know, through the roof. And because they're not serving anyone in-house, their, their employee count is down because they don't need so many people just to do takeout or drive through. So that the sad part is I can't help either side. I mean, I can't, I can't make that happen. From an investment standpoint, there is opportunity. If someone has a 401k and they're 
six, seven, eight years away from retiring, it's a buying opportunity. No one's going to look back and think that you overpaid for stock today. Um, you know, there are things that that won't change about Apple or Facebook or any of the, and I'm not giving advice, but, you know, those things, those companies are smart and they're going to pivot oil. I don't know what oil's at now or Exxon or any of those companies, but they got hit hard. And so there's, there's dislocations from a market standpoint, but if you're, if you're, if the company is cash flowing and isn't the hardest hit retail, the hardest hit highly leveraged energy, you know, the things in mutual funds, I think that's the other thing is most 401ks don't let you pick individual stocks anyway. So the mutual funds are going to come back. There's so many companies and even one fund and so many people have so many different funds. So what I tell clients is if they can afford it, either continue the 401k or even add to it because you're getting it on sale. Um, and in a mutual fund, there hasn't been a legitimate mutual fund that's going to zero because that would mean hundreds of companies inside it would have to go to zero. And unlike 2008, there's an end to this, whether it's herd immunity, whether it's seasonal, whether it's a cure, whether it's not as bad as people said it was. Like we're going to find out with the riots and everything else going on. Social distancing in the last couple of days has been out the window. And so we're going to find out in 14, 15 days if that really spikes the, the count. And I think if it doesn't, you're going to see the market continue to go up. And you, we had talked a little bit, you know, why is the market? There's a disconnect between all, you know, what breaking loose in the world and the market going up and up. The, um, the short answer is the market has already um, discounted the COVID numbers and the market thinks fourth quarter will be good. That everything that was kind of um, expected and assumed won't be as bad, won't be as pessimistic as it originally, you know, that the market had already, you know, factored in. So everything I'm reading, again, this could change by the time people hear this. Um, but when the market went up recently, uh, a lot of it had to do with factoring in that fourth quarter is going to not be as bad as anyone thought. There are a lot of people that are struggling. Is this a point that? If somebody has to take money out of their 401k on an emergency basis, is that something people should consider? Or is that a situation where you say, try to do anything but? So if you had money in the 401k in the stock market and it's down 30% and now you have to hit it, you're never going to get it back. Um, now, if you need it to put food on your table, I want you to survive. There are so many other smarter ways to do it. A lot of times you can borrow the money from the 401k. The government's allowing you to take it out tax-free and pay it back in three years. Um, so there, there are avenues in which you can tap that. Uh, stimulus checks and just looking at whatever programs are available to you as an individual going and getting it. Talking about our business owners, even the ones that didn't need it, I recommend it they get the PPP or apply for it. Because worst case is it's a low interest rate. Um, loan. Best case is they use it for payroll, they keep people employed, and it's a no interest grant. Um, but either way, and the one client's like, I don't really need them. Like, well, I'd rather the dollar be on your side of the balance sheet because you're going to be smart with it than you needing it and not being able to get it. So I, I think I've talked, at least in my world, I've talked to everyone I know to get the BBP from a business owner standpoint. For the individuals, I think this is also another rude awakening is, is your skill set valuable? And that's not a question people like to talk about. But if you see the people that have a job today throughout the pandemic have a valuable job. And so either they have a skill set, maybe it was luck, but they have something that a company finds value in and keeps them employed. If you are always laid off, um, the world's saying that the, the value you're bringing isn't packaged enough for you to have a, a safer job. 
Um, so a lot of uh, clients that we've, you know, we don't have many clients that I laid off, but those that did, I let them, you know, I talk to them behaviorally and say, why don't you reinvent yourself? Look at the jobs that are going to be growing and that have never had layoffs. And are any of those something you're interested in? If so, you can do online courses and, and be trained by the time, you know, and again, this has been weeks ago. Um, you can be trained for a new skill set before this is over. Whether they did it or not, I have to check in with them. But I, I think this is a gut check for everybody. And, and not every answer is pretty, but you got to deal with reality. And, um, you know, that's what we're trying to address people. We're doing it in a way that's positive and, and not negative because they have enough of that without talking to us. What is your biggest concern over the next six, 12 months? You're in a position where you're helping people plan. And yep. it is probably the riskiest time to plan anything just because we are, we have, we are dealing with constantly shifting variables yeah, on multiple and, and, fronts now. So what, a, what are your biggest concerns here over the next half full year? At a, at a big picture, the, the, the debt that everyone in the world has absorbed or, or you know, have, have just created the debt. So we got more money out there than we've ever had before. The Fed's never been this big and bloated. Um, the spending, like we talked about, everyone's saving, so they're not spending it. And the the cure almost financially, again, uh, d- death is horrible. Pandemics are horrible. All, I mean, all that caveat I agree with, you know, flatten the curve. The, the thing I'm concerned about is it takes too long to get back to normal from an economic standpoint. Now, there'll never be a normal normal. We may never shake hands again. I'm a hugger. I may never have to, you know, I may only be able to hug people in my inner circle. But I, I, my concern is the repercussions of the pandemic will not be the health repercussions, although that is serious and sad. Uh, and I don't mean to discount that at all. But the economic holes that will not be able to be filled, there's going to be companies. And, and I think one of the things we're seeing is it sped up what was happening anyway. Telemedicine was happening anyway. Teleeducation was happening anyway. Now it's here. And if I'm an office, if I own an office, and I have a ton of staff and all the security, but we're getting just as much work done and they're at their house. You know, I may not bring everyone back into the office. I won't let anyone go. But if I own the office, where are my tenants? You know, that's going to be so those offices might become senior centers or something else. I mean, so there's going to be um, unintended consequences. Hopefully some are good. But what concerns me is we're in uncharted territories from the amount of debt that everyone in the world has taken on. There's really not a mechanism to tax enough to get that debt back or tax rates are going up, which again, in my field is, is, you know, we plan on certain numbers and if they're higher in a bad way, that just makes the numbers worse. And I think from the only way I could give, the only thing I could give is we did what's called SOS, second opinion service, which is a free talk with people virtually. And we go over where they are and, and what they need to do in a, in a no obligation, no salesy, you know, we have advice. We don't, you know, we don't push products. And in that world, I, I don't see as many people as I thought I would. Um, you know, we'd offer it for free. We did it outside of our normal circle. So either people uh, don't think they need help or are paralyzed with fear. And I'm hoping it's not that. I'm hoping they have their things together. But there is there is concerns about the debt. There's concerns. We're seeing it now because so many people have 401ks. And it's so easy to go from stocks to bonds to cash. Um, you're seeing huge volatility. And when things got really bad, everything went down. Gold went down, you know, everything but cash went down. So it really was a risk on and risk off. Um, 
And the textbooks still say today that bonds and stocks are, you know, uh, correlated so that when one goes down, one goes up. But when you look at what actually happens in real time when things are happening, that's not that's not happening. So I think the way we look at how the market works, we have to incorporate behavior because that's how that's our reality. Not, not you know, no one looks at a textbook and says, okay, things are going bad. What should I do? You know, what's page seventeen of the textbook say? They just get out. And if you're out, you're not going to be in when it comes back. And the markets tend to do best when it goes from bad to not so bad. Like at the very beginning of, of, of things coming back, it's when it goes from, you know, this is terrible to this isn't so terrible. Not when it's not so terrible, now it's really good. You know, 40 to 50% of the gains are between the this is terrible or this isn't so bad. And I don't know if we've seen that. Again, a lot of the stuff you won't know has happened until you look in the rear view mirror. But the debt concerns me and the tax on the debt. Um, the other thing is the states can't print money and, and can't go bankrupt. All they can do is is tax. So that's really the issue, maybe not even at the federal level, because they can just make more money, and that's an issue as well. But there are states that weren't too solvent before this happened, um, and now you're having this add to it. I don't know how to fix that. And that, that concerns me, because that's going to have repercussions you know, everywhere. Specifically for your job, how is this going to change it going forward, or how has it already changed it? I mean, you mentioned that it's you're doing everything you know online and stuff like that but but kind of past that give us thirty thousand feet as a financial advisor how is this going to change it the the un you know there's there's a feeling i think some people have where the rich get richer um and you feel that they know things that other people don't know and there's a part of that that i won't say is true but there's a a regulation when you're a financial advisor that talks about accreditation and accreditation means as an investor you have a certain amount of net worth and once you have that net worth you can see a credit investments and and accredited investments are where Harvard and Yale and CalPERS, the California pension, they have most of their money, not in the stock market. So where I see it changing my view is we've always been in Valley Forge. We've always been alternative. So advice and then access to alternatives. And it's always been the saddest part of my job because, you know, there are friends and family that don't qualify for some of these non-market investments that I think you know, I know work because Harvard, Harvard and Yale have been doing them forever. And what this does is it just highlights that gap between those that have choices and those that don't. And that's a sad part of the job. There's nothing I can do about it. It's regulated. I could lose my license if I get, you know, put someone who's not accredited into an accredited investment. Um, but a lot of times those accredited investments aren't very liquid. So they're not, you know, they're not for everything. And they're definitely not the answer for 100 uh, percent. 10, 20 percent is typically the answer. But they they don't work like market works. No one's selling them when something gets scary happens. So because they're not liquid, they're not in the market. And because they're not in the market, they're not affected, you know, day to day when the market's down, these things. And a lot of it could be real estate, could be private equity, but things that aren't going to change. Real estate value doesn't change today because the stock market changed yesterday. So what it does for me is we're doubling down in our, our due diligence of these alternative investments. We're focusing on the advice element and, 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 in that advice, seeing if clients qualify and if, if it qualifies and it's something that would benefit them, we do the due diligence and show them some options um, and do things that they can never do in their 401k. So it's definitely a real life have versus the have nots. And I'm seeing it in real time. And it's frustrating because some of these things, if people had the choice, they would choose to be in the things they don't even get to see because of the accreditation rules. And I understand why I'm hoping 
that looking down, you know, 30,000 feet, but also looking down four, five, six years, that these types of investments get crowdsourced like a lot of other things. You know, so you can go to a website and you can put $4,000 into a mutual fund, you know, a real estate investment trust that would have been an accredited investment back in the day. But now because of the Internet, you can do that. You know, so I'm hoping some of these other investments will have will be open to more people. Uh, and I'm hoping they're legitimate and not highly expensive or not high fees. But that's my hope because that's that's the hard part of my job is knowing there's things out there and knowing someone doesn't qualify. So I don't even tease them with it because that would be you know rude. Kind of from a human standpoint, people that are I'm in my mid 40s, people that are, say, 10 years younger than me in their mid 30s right now. That's a generation that graduated college basically into the Great Recession. And now they have to deal with this. And you talk about building wealth overall. I think that's a generation that probably feels like they've kind of been screwed. That yeah, they got they hit. Had their, they had their 2008 was supposed to be their once in a generation event, and now they're you know they you and I both had lived through two once in a generation events. Right, um, and you know they've been hit twice in 15, 12, 15 years, and at that point where you're trying to get a foothold in life. What, I mean, do you come across clients that have, I would imagine there's anger, resentment at the system, stuff like that. And what do you tell them? So we have honest conversations because at the end of the day, very rare are the rich people in my office or in our practice employed by others. They're self-employed. And, and those that are employed by others are the executive type of person that had to uh, sacrifice, you know, wives and, and husbands and potential time with their family, um, giving it to their corporation and rising the ranks, which to me isn't really a, uh, I, they were gladiators. At the end of the day, our executives are gladiators and I'm sure they like it or else they wouldn't be doing it, but there's a cost to that. So the ones that I think had a clearer and cleaner landing or cleaner takeoff are those that went independent and start, and this is what we talk about, you know, where everyone has a unique ability, everyone has some value uh, that they can, you know, that they can provide society. And then you look at what you can do. I play the drums. I'm not making six figures playing the drums. I'm not a band, you know, I'm not in, in Genesis or anything like that. Although I would, I could do that. Um, so I decided I couldn't be and wouldn't be a musician. I'll do that on, on my weekends. And then where's the value I can have? So I, and I was in the corporate world. I got an MBA. I was up that, you know, and so I, I had 9-11 as my, you know, the first of the, you know, once in a lifetime events. And then I, after 9-11, I decided I was going to be my own boss and become a financial advisor because that's what I liked. And I saw opportunity to build something that then didn't need me to run it. So the two things that everyone who I've ever met, um, who I've ever seen, Steve Jobs, there's two things. They have a one-to-many relationship to their buying public. Now, as a financial advisor, I have to do one-to-one. It is illegal for me to give advice to a room full of people I don't know, and that should be the way, and that I'm fine with that. So a one-to-many relationship between you and your buying public, and it's repeatable without you having to do the work. So a book is a perfect example of that. Um, your webcast, you record it once, and, and you, know, you can listen to it whenever. So you try to offset your skill set, what's the thing you bring in, and then you look at that and say, okay, is there a way I can make that a one-to-many and repeatable without me. Now, in my case, I have staff now. So we're seeing so many more clients because I'm not seeing them. 
And so I'm the chief wealth strategist. I'm, I'm setting the stage. I'm, I'm the, you know, the dollar stops with me, but I'm not day to day. I'm not the CFP certified financial planner meeting with the client. So my one to many had to have employees involved um, and a doctor is the same way. You only can see so many teeth if you're a dentist. Um, and a lot of the people I know that went through and became a dentist and had their own practice, they're now wanting to get out of that because all they did was create their own job. So when I'm talking about, you know, true wealth in a way that you can enjoy it while you're there, you have the time with your family while they're young enough, you have 18 summers with your kids and then, you know, they're either getting a job or they, you know, they're tired of it by that time. Those people that are self-employed doing a job that they created as a business that that's not a job. You know, the plumbers, you know, run horrible plumbing businesses because there's an element of you that needs to be a business owner and then you're a plumber. Um, and, and so there's, you, you got to match that because life is, we're seeing that right, right now, Matt, life is way too short to try to do the executive, you know, gladiator view and maybe die on the way and, and never get that money to enjoy and or doing something that you hate or something that every time there's a blip in the economy, you get laid off. You know, so the only plus side of the circumstances that they find themselves in, those 30 and 40 year olds, um, is I hope it angers them enough so that they say that enough is enough. What am I going to do so I don't have to worry about the outside world knocking me down every time? And the only thing I've seen work both historically, I think it's working now, I think it'll work in 10 years, is somehow creating your own business. It doesn't have to be, you know, what I build doesn't have to be what other people built, but something that's unique to you. And I'm always admired. I always admire those people that, you know, are the closet organizers. That's not a skill set I have. And that's a skill set, you know, I would pay for. And there's people out there that will go shopping for you. Now, COVID, they might have to pivot a little bit. But that's something that at least you're enjoying doing it and you're getting paid for it and you're, you're your own hours. Um, we had a dog and um, I was working crazy busy and the dog goes to the bathroom and there was like a Mr. Pooper, Dr. Pooper. You know, there was a, a business and I just looked up Google and I'm like, you know, dog walker slash cleaner upper. And there's a person that will do all that. And talking to her, she just loves dogs. So she gets to hang out with dogs. It was a, a great and, and, you know, and and my yard was clean. So those are the things that um, you don't need to buy a franchise, although if you have money in the bank and, and you don't want to reinvent the wheel, that's 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 on the table, too. But I truly believe everyone has a unique ability and it takes moments like this to push you out of your comfort zone because it's scary when you're your own boss until you realize you can't lay yourself off. You can't do a great job and still get fired. You can't you can't put your heart and soul and not see the ring um, and a lot of times when you're working for someone else, you may be forced to do something you don't necessarily agree with either how it's done or who the client is or what the market is. When you, when you're your own boss and, and you know who you're going after, you can say, listen, I don't work. I don't do that anymore. Or I don't do that. And I think there's some, you know, some motivation once people can realize that they can control a little bit more of their economic life by just looking at their skill set and how they deploy it and just being strategic with it you like to cook, maybe, you know, do online cooking classes. You don't have to go buy a restaurant, but it's that, it's that moment. I call my cigar moments. All my best ideas came from having a cigar out of the office. This retainer based idea came from having a cigar. And I thought if I'm a business owner or an executive, which are the people we like working with, they have a lot of net worth. They don't have a lot of investable assets because it's in their business or their 401k if they're still working. How do I help them? And I'd like, well, why don't I just charge a retainer? The money stays at Vanguard or the money stays in the 401k or the money stays in their business. 
but we charge them, you know, a flat fee that they know ahead of time to give them advice on everything, not just, you know, that outside money. Um, and that's worked. I think, as I told you, we're now in 15 states. That wasn't my goal. I wasn't trying to take over the world. Um, but now I want to do it. Now, now I want to be in every state just so I can say I'm in every state. But we have clients in 15 states. And a lot of it has to do with the virtual um, planning and the pivot we did three years ago before it was needed. We said, let's just do planning and not try to sell products and not try to convince someone to give us their money and we'll charge a fee. We'll help advise where that money is. And a lot of times I'm in Vanguard's backyard. We love Vanguard. You know, we can leave the money there and give the advice without having that money to come over to us and charge a fee. So the scary part is I'm either ahead of the pack or in left field because not a lot of people are doing it. Um, some of the people I work with, you know, in other businesses, like you're nuts. I'm like, no, this is the way it's going to be. I think advice is going to be what drives it. And right now the industry is giving away advice, hoping that you buy a product from somebody or you bring over their money and they manage it for you. And we've taken a third avenue. Um, so I'm living the same advice I'm giving other people's, you know, where can you add value? Where can you be different in a way that adds value? If you can figure out those things, the world could be your oyster as long as you're smart with it. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.